the WHO has quietly, ever so quietly, published a paper. And in this paper, you see, the World Health Organization has drawn a connection to multiple sclerosis and the COVID vaccines. My oh my, this certainly seems like something we're going to have to take a look into, my friends, and that is precisely what we're going to do today. And so, from Trial Site News, I am Adrian, and our episode is starting right now. The World Health Organization, or the WHO, has quietly published a paper. In it, they connected the COVID-19 vaccination to the inducement of multiple sclerosis. Now, I use the term quietly for a reason. You see, the World Health Organization purposely did not publicize this latest work. Because of course they didn't. Why would you want to amplify news about a public health safety incident to the public, especially when so much money is on the line for such a lucrative drug? Now, this is something we've come to expect from institutions like the WHO over these past couple of years. And why this matters, my friends, is the World Health Organization has been leading the charge worldwide for the mass vaccination program in response to the COVID-19 global pandemic. And again, why this matters is most world governments have bowed to the leadership and guidelines of this institution, which of course is problematic considering just how flawed the WHO's approach has been to dealing with this pandemic. As we here at Trialside News have chronicled early on, the World Health Organization sought targets of 70% vaccination coverage as their basis to achieve herd immunity. But... As became apparent by the spring of 2021, the COVID-19 vaccines lacked sterilizing powers, meaning they never had a chance of stopping the spread. You could get vaccinated and still get infected. You could get vaccinated and still spread the virus. Now, it helped reduce, in the short term anyway, infection or morbidity, this according to many studies, but it didn't stop the spread, which was their original you know, push. So... While they were helpful in inducing antibody protection for periods of time, there was also another issue, and that was durability challenges, meaning how long did the vaccine last? That, plus a mutating virus, left the long-term efficacy of these products in tatters. Thus, the stated need for constant booster shots would follow. They were also never able to achieve their original goal of herd immunity because of this, which, of course, is perhaps to no one's surprise. And so, our betters, the authorities in charge of all of us, pivoted the positioning of the vaccine to reducing morbidity and mortality, which some would argue they partially achieved, but at a cost, given the significant durability challenges and safety signals. So let's take a look at the paper, and believe you me, it's certainly not an easy read. You could argue that it was written specifically for and authored by medical professionals and scientists, but the skeptic in me wonders if it was written this way so as to keep the average lay person out. It's like reading legalese. Who really wants to do that? Now, the title of the publication is COVID-19 Vaccination Can Induce Multiple Sclerosis Via Cross-Reactive CD4 Plus T-Cells Recognizing SARS-CoV-2 Spike Protein and Myelin Peptides. Promising so far, and then we get to the introduction. 
which reads as follows. Infection with the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus can lead to a wide range of acute and also chronic disease manifestations. The rapidly developed vaccinations are highly effective in preventing severe disease courses and have been proven safe. Of course, we got to throw in the proven safe thing. You can't publish an article discussing an issue with the vaccine without reminding the public that the vaccines are proven safe. So line up, my friends, get that next booster shot when it comes available. Anyway, let's continue on. The article also goes on to say that both natural infection and to a much lower extent the mRNA-based vaccinations can be accompanied by transient autoimmune phenomena or onset of autoimmune diseases. So here's the objective that they state. They say that we report here two cases of multiple sclerosis or MS with clinical and new radiological signs beginning in close temporal relation to spike S protein mRNA-based vaccinations. The aim here is to establish that the onset of MS in these two cases is very likely caused by CD4 plus T cell clones that cross-recognize SARS-CoV-2 as protein-derived peptides and peptides derived from myelin proteins, which have previously been implicated in MS. So what are the methods? Well, they say that their methods spike specific CD4 plus T cells from peripheral blood and CD4 plus T cells from CSF samples were isolated and expanded for autoantigen screening test. A list of well-known MS-related autoantigens, including immunodominant peptides and isoforms from MBP, MOG, PLP, etc., were included to assess T cell reactivity. CD4 plus CFSE low fraction were sorted after stimulant with positive autoantigen pools or SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, followed by expansion and testing with autoantigen peptides and spike protein. Supernatant from cell culture were further analyzed for IFN gamma secretion, and here were the results. Self-reactive T-cells were detected from spike-specific T-cell population in both patients. CD4 plus T from CSF also showed reactivity to MBP, MOG, PLP peptide pools. And finally, we found pro-inflammatory T-cell clones that recognize both spike protein and immunodominant MBP peptides and MOG peptides, which have previously been implicated in MS. Now, the conclusions are as follows. Detailed studies of both peripheral blood and CSF-derived CD4 plus T cells show that the onset of MS in these two cases is very likely caused by CD4 plus T cell clones that cross-recognize SARS-CoV-2 as protein-derived peptides and peptides derived from myelin proteins, which have previously been implicated in MS. Now, that was fun, wasn't it? Well, the bottom line here is that they recognize that there is a problem here, but don't worry, my friends, those mRNA vaccines are totally proven safe. You can trust the WHO, my friends. Trust them. Now, this publishing of the study seems to be an anomaly in this current day and age. After all, we live in the age of narrative alignment, meaning... To date, among national and global medical and research establishments, the COVID-19 vaccines are placed on a pedestal of quality and excellence. This despite the contrary reality that they are mediocre at best when looking holistically at issues such as durability, breadth, and safety. As Daniel O'Connor, the founder of Trial Site News, opined on this move by the WHO, he said that it is most interesting to read now that the WHO starts to share more overtly that the COVID-19 vaccines are far from perfect. U.S. government actors, academia, as well as the World Health Organization have been quite careful and defensive of any information it publicly shares about the COVID-19 vaccines. 
Now, this begs the question, why now? Why does the WHO release this critical assessment at this particular time? Well, frankly, it's hard to say. But it is worth pointing out that this non-governmental agency is trying to obtain their next level of power via the International Health Regulations, or the IHR, which could be part of the answer here. For those who don't know, the IHR gives the WHO immense power in deciding public health emergencies, something that many people find more than just a little bit troubling. Now, for the purposes of this episode, though, that subject is going to get too detailed, and so perhaps for a future episode, I'll delve into the IHR. But in the meantime, if you're curious and you want to learn more, you can stop by trialsitenews.com, and there you'll find numerous stories on that particular subject, if you so desire. In any case, while injuries post-vaccination are deemed rare by governments and medical bodies like the World Health Organization, they all now recognize that they do happen although they, again, deem these incidences to be rare. Now, why this matters is those who do happen to become injured, for them, the ailments have in some cases dramatically lowered the quality of life, and a subset of cases have led to debilitating and absolutely tragic circumstances, from deaths to permanent disability. Now, because the injuries are deemed rare, especially in the beginning, they were not recognized by anyone in power, whether it be hospital chains or governments. And so patients were left with no economic means and with nowhere to turn, which in of itself was insidious and evil. Now, naturally, we're going to continue to dig into this story as more information becomes available. And as more data comes in, we'll let you know what happens. But in the meantime, my friends, that's going to bring our episode to a close once more. As always, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. From Trial Site News, I am Adrian, and I will see you all next time.